0: Welcome back to Community
1: Week on the MarTech Podcast. This week, we're going to do a deep dive into one of the most important and sometimes overlooked channels of marketing, community. Each day this week, we're going to publish an episode that discusses what you need to know to build, grow, and engage a community centered around your brand. Joining us for Community Week is Rachel McCool, who is the Senior Community Manager at GoDaddy. Prior to her current role, she has also been a leader in community growth and management for a couple of companies that are mid-stage size. They're called eBay and Facebook. So far this week, we've talked about the value of community, the infrastructure brands need to grow their own community, and today we're going to discuss how to build your community from the ground up. Here is the third installment of Community Week with Rachel McCool from GoDaddy. Rachel, welcome back to Community Week on the MarTech Podcast.
2: Thanks, Ben. I'm really happy to be here again, having fun talking to you. So it's great to be back.
1: It's been great to catch up. And honestly, I'm learning a ton about communities and picking off little pieces that we will hopefully integrate into the MarTech podcast community. And that's actually a great lead into what we're going to talk about today is if you're starting a community really from the ground up, what's the playbook you need to follow to not only get your community up and running, but built so it can scale? So tell us a little bit about what people need to know when they're getting started building their communities.
2: So first of all, I would say take baby steps. A lot of us want to start with grandiose ideas of, hey, I want to have, you know, in a year, 100,000 customers and as part of my community. And certainly if you're a very, very large brand, you may be able to accomplish that. But I would say start really small and then grow from there. And by starting small Find 10 customers that are willing to help you and talk to them. I always like to just call people up and have conversations and talk to them about what you want to do, how you're thinking about going and doing it, and asking them if they would be interested in working with you and helping you on it. And once you get you know agreement with, say, your first 10 customers... Get them together as a group. Maybe you can do like a call with them and get them together. And again, kind of walk through the same type of conversation that you had with them individually, but talk to them as a group, have them all introduce each other to themselves So that's kind of your start of building community. So again, community is not just a company and customers. Customers like to meet each other as well. They like to share best practices. They like to compare notes as to the things that are working well for them and some of their challenges. So have them get to know each other and establish that core founder group. And then from there, ask them if they have friends or family that might be interested in joining and then grow it from there. Once you have that core customer group, certainly, you know, we did another session looking at platforms, but you have to have people. People are really important before you even look at and talk about platforms.
1: When you're putting together your initial group of customers to build your community, how much do you think about what the incentives are for them? And what are some of the ways to get people to be excited about being a member of a community for your brand?
2: Honestly, most customers never ask for anything. Occasionally, I've had people mention like, do we get paid for this? But a lot of people just like to be in the know. They like to be part of something. They like to feel useful. So a lot of times, certainly, we've given people swag, but so often, especially if people really love your brand and love your products and services, they're excited to be a part of something and help to build something. So if you have this core group of people, give them a name. When I was brought into GoDaddy to build out a brand new community, the core group of people that helped us to build, we called community founders, GoDaddy community founders. And then we gave them a special badge when we launched the community and a special thank you. And that goes a long way for people to just feel appreciated and feel like the time that they spent talking with you and helping you was valuable to them.
1: I think some of the reasons that pop into my head that you mentioned are the ability for your customers to get access, reaching out and actually having a relationship with a company that they have a vested interest in being successful is important, And also there's showing that they have credibility and a relationship and allowing them to promote what their relationship is with your brand. Those to me seem like good incentives for your most active customers. It's a way for them to have a deeper relationship, but it also gives them a way to show that they are important in this community. I'm thinking specifically of you mentioned the GoDaddy community founders. There are people that are small business and service providers that get to say, I have a personal relationship with the GoDaddy team, and I am a valued member of that community. I was actually a founder, which gives them credibility when they go talk about their GoDaddy relationship and how that affects their services. You mentioned that some people are asking about monetary compensation for being part of a community. And I'm sure at some point, you have to seed your community with some content when you're just getting started, you mentioned that you don't like to pay people to be a member of the community. How do you get them to create the first bits of content? Or I'm kind of thinking about forums still. When you move past the let's get together and talk, how are you actually creating the base of content that you have for your forums so people feel like it's not just an empty house?
2: Right. You never want to launch a community as an empty house because it definitely feels like an empty house. So what we did was once we established a group of core founders for the GoDaddy forums that we launched, gosh, almost three years ago, about six weeks before we officially launched, we were able to start seeding content. And I just asked people to post some questions that they think that other customers might be interested in seeing and then helping to reply to those questions We got some really great seated content and it wasn't fake, it was actual questions that people either had themselves or other things that had come up as they were using our products and services that they thought were really helpful. And we had some back and forth conversation in the forums and that was extremely helpful. The other thing is that in forums, another tendency that companies really want to do is when they kick off a community, hey, let's create like 50 forums. So we have 50 different products. We should have a forum for every single one of our products. And generally, the advice is when you start a community, you should never have more than five to seven forums. You start really small, you gain traction over time, you see what types of topics people want to talk about. And then you can build upon that so that you are having actual content in your forums. That's what we did. We started with, I think, seven forums. One was a welcome forum and another one was a suggestions forum. So it wasn't like we came out the gate with every single product and service that we offer here at GoDaddy. And that actually worked really, really
1: well. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex, ready to take your team from I think to I know Okay, so essentially you're relying on your existing community founders to help you understand what are the questions that would be interesting to seed your content. You're relying on them to create content. Are there any times where you're outsourcing the production of content, you're getting the questions from community members and you're either answering them in-house or hiring writers to create your content? Or do do you generally just do everything organic and hope that your community founders stay engaged?
2: I have never personally hired outside companies to do content. I know that from a social standpoint sometimes companies do that. I personally and this is just my personal opinion is that I think it's best to have authenticity when it comes to creating content and communities and The most authentic content comes from customers because they write in their own language and other customers can really relate and understand what they're talking about. Certainly employees have, there are some employees that have a real knack to be able to talk with customers in a written, whether it's social channels or community forums that customers understand and can engage with. And that's the most authentic way of representing your brand. Now, again, you can train people from the outside to do that very thing and certainly they can represent you. But I personally believe that it's best to utilize employees as well as working with your customers for content.
1: So you're reaching out to your target customers, your best customers. You're asking them to have a deeper relationship. You're starting a community. They're helping you seed the content. You're using your in-house employees to help answer the questions and produce more content. And then you just launch it publicly and hope and pray?
2: Yes, you do, Ben. I mean, there's a part of that. And certainly, if you've established this really tight, trustworthy relationship with your founders, they're going to help. Even if after like three or four months, the community launches and it looks like it's taking off and maybe some of your founders drop off because they're just busy people. That's the other thing that a lot of us who work in companies forget that all of our customers, no matter if it's B2B or B2C or whatever focus your company has... They're all really busy people. So don't get discouraged if you see that you've created this group of founders. And then after like six months, people kind of start to disappear. That's okay because there's going to be new people that will come as well and start to engage and be top contributors. And then also founders come back. People come back. They may be focused on something else in their lives and then they come back. So you have to continue to spend time on building community. You can't just launch a technical platform with some founders and then disappear. They expect you to be there and to be engaging with them. And then there's also opportunity. And this is something that I'm personally passionate about is is taking founders potentially and creating some councils, working with founders and maybe putting them under a non-disclosure agreement and working with them to help looking at your products and services and how to improve them. So that's like another perk that you potentially can give some of your core group of people so that you have a regular engagement with them. Not necessarily always just in a community forum, but through conference calls and maybe even in person occasionally where you have lunch or you go to where a core group of your customers are located and just take them out to dinner or something like that.
1: Yeah. We mentioned access before and being able to add additional levels of access makes a lot of sense. I want to push you a little bit more on the launch part of your community. I understand how you're seeding and you're sort of creating this underlying base where you're engaging with a select few very active and engaged customers to be your founders. When you want to expand your audience beyond just your initial founders, what's the process there when you're going out from your core top 10 group, and now you're starting to bring on your hundreds to hopefully thousands of community members? How are you actually doing your community engagement? And since there's going to be churn with your founders, how are you finding your next set of most important community members?
2: Certainly, you have to promote your community. It's not like if you build it, they will come. We marketed the community when we launched and we got a lot of people to come in and set up their usernames and start to engage. The other things that we did was we're part of a digital care team here at GoDaddy, which is our help content and our video content for learning how to use our products and services. So we included the community questions and answers into our federated search also included a way to get into community in app in the products so it wasn't like people had to search for community And of course, then over time, as you get traction, obviously, you start to rank higher in search through Google and other search engines. And that brings more people in, more views of your content, and also potentially people asking additional questions over time. So you have to work at it. It doesn't just happen overnight. It takes time to build a community. And you have to have patience and perseverance to continue to do it and having a presence. People have to see that employees are engaged in the community as well for it to grow.
1: Yeah. To me, what I'm assuming an effective community building strategy would be is email marketing based. And in GoDaddy's case, I understand where you're able to take the content that you seeded your community with and integrate it into your GoDaddy search. I think for people that are focusing on building smaller communities you have customers, you want to reach out to them. My suggestion, and I'm shooting from the hip a little bit here, send a personalized email. I'm using GoDaddy as an example. Don't send an email from GoDaddy announcing the community. I would send an email from Rachel saying, I'm the community manager. I would love for you to be a member of our community and make it personal because really at the end of the day, that's what community is about. It's engaging with the other human beings that are involved, associated with this brand. And to me, that's a big tip for just email marketing in general, the more personalized it could be. Nobody likes emails from companies. They are seen as transactional. So actually put a face and a name to your outreach. And mostly if that's going to be the person that is managing the community moving forward, that to me seems like a suggestion that would make sense. Do some personal outreach, and then you could scale your personal outreach to your broader community or your broader user base.
2: I love that. I think that especially if you're a really small and growing company, I think that that's fantastic if you can do that. The more human and personal you make it, the more people will engage. That said, one of the challenges that I find with making things super personal is that people leave companies, right? So say you have a community manager that launched the community, built the community, has been there for two years, has really gotten to know a lot of customers, and then that person decides to leave the company. Sometimes that's really, really hard for people who are part of communities to understand and engage with the next person that comes along. So I think you have to balance everything out and be clear that it's not me as a person who's inviting you. It's me as a person working for a company. And there is a difference in that. And I've seen mistakes made by people who have gotten too personal with their customer base and blended that and then either left the company or something has happened. And then it's kind of messy to rectify that situation.
1: I do think that there's a fine balance for the tone of the email coming from a person describing the launch of the company's community. I think the other pro tip, knowing that I'm talking to somebody who manages communities for a living, you should just never get rid of your community manager. Those should be jobs for life.
2: Thank you, Ben. That's so true.
1: (laughs) Okay. I'm, I'm glad we're in agreement. And I think that we've covered a lot of ground in terms of how to get your community up and off the ground. So that wraps up this episode of the Martech podcast. Thanks to Rachel for joining us. If you'd like to learn more of Rachel's tips for building an effective community strategy, we're going to publish an episode every day this week. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and check back with us tomorrow morning when we're going to talk about how you can drive community engagement that generates business results. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to get in touch with Rachel, you can contact her on LinkedIn or Twitter where her handle is Rachel McCool, R-A-C-H-E-L-M-A-K-O-O-L. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening, no sweat, we got you covered. Just head over to martechpod.com where we have our summaries and transcripts of all of our episodes. If you're a subscriber to the Martech podcast, thank you for being a member of our community. We always want to hear from you. So we built benjshap.com slash question where you can submit your questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Now, of course, you can also reach out on social media. My personal handle is benjshap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P, on both Twitter and LinkedIn. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a weekly stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, in addition to the rest of Community Week, we've got great episodes lined up for the rest of the month. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app.